some uh, drinks and stuff. Go ahead and head back in. We're going to get into this message today. We're, we're in a series called We Love Almarl. Say, We Love Almarl. If you don't know how to say Almarl, that's how you say it right there. There's no B, it's just Almarl. Okay, that's how you say Almarl. Um, in true Father's Day fashion, I want to open up with some dad jokes. And if you groan, I keep telling them. So don't groan. I want to hear loud laughter. Because if I don't hear loud laughter, it's going to keep going. And it'll be terrible. Okay, so first dad joke that I've got is that... I haven't told it yet. What's your problem? First dad joke I've got, okay, is this. What do you call a dog trapped in a toilet? <laughs> a poodle. It's not going well. It is not going well. Hmm. What do you call a guy with no shins? You know what shins are, right? Shins. What do you call a guy with uh, no shins? Neato. Or Tony. Call him Tony. Call him Tony. Boo. I'm getting booze. It's going to keep going. I'm, I, like, I have no awkward, like, gene, like I, I can't tell when things are awkward. So I'll just keep doing it. Actually, I'm just stalling because my stuff's not coming up. But, um. See, is it that one? Something went wrong. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Happy Father's Day. We got some good stuff for the dads on your way out today. I uh, want to start off with a story, um, and, and I want to I want to ask you a question. This is like audience response time. Who comes to mind for you when you hear the word brave? Shout it out. Who comes to mind when you hear the word brave? Grandpa. Grandpa. What did you say over here? Gandalf. Daniel or Gandalf could be the same person. We're not sure. Scripture's silent on that issue. Uh, what else? What else? Do, it is. Uh, who else do we do we think of? Braveheart, yes, Sir William Wallace, who didn't actually wear a kilt. There were many things wrong in the movie, but it doesn't matter. What did you say over here? Atlanta. The Atlanta Braves tell you what right on the nose right here uh i grew up in the 80s and in the night well <laughs> jury's out on if i grew up but uh i i was a kid in the 80s and the 90s and still am and uh rambo was my favorite thing when it comes to brave rambo anybody ever see the best rambo movie was first blood part two that was the best one hands down thank you and and when it comes to being brave rambo i mean the dude was who hasn't seen Rambo First Blood Part Two? Just show of hands. Okay, so most of us have. That's that's saying something. Dude was like like taken down into the water and came up with leeches all over him as torture. You remember that part? And then they cut him off with a knife. And did he show any kind of emotion or nah? He just like take off another one. I don't care. Like, Rambo had this bravery. If there was something going on, if there was something on fire, he probably caused it, and he's running into it. Because he, he had this thing in him 
that no matter what was going on, he was not going to let fear overcome him. He was not going to shrink back. Even when he was dog tired, he would just run into it. And here's the thing. Here's why I bring this up. I believe that God and his power actually makes us brave. That's what I believe. And so today we're talking about the, what kind of church we are in this series called We Love Albemarle. We talk about how we're going to be a church that loves Albemarle, doesn't shrink away. We're going to be a church that serves our community and loves our community. Today I want to, I want to, I want to kind of switch gears and talk about how as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to be brave because God's spirit is within me. I believe that God wants to teach you how to be brave. Now, brave means a lot of different things. Sometimes we, we, we think of bravery and some of us are like, no, nah, that's never me. I'm never running into the fire. But then there's those weird people here and you know exactly who you are because you're starting to giggle right now. There's those weird people here that are like, no matter what, I'm going running into the, like, I'm going, I'm going to have so much bravery, I'm going to be arrogant with it. There was a, there was a game back in the 90s called NFL Blitz. Anybody played NFL Blitz? Debbie, if you could go ahead and just start rolling that film or that YouTube video. Yeah, turn it down just a little bit. NFL Blitz, you were a linebacker, and this is how you tackled. Right there. You, you tackled people, and then you did a leg drop on them. And then you tackled people, and you swung them around, and you did that right there. Now, in the NFL, all right, we can cut it. In the NFL, you're going to get penalties for that. But there's some of us who, when it comes to bravery, that's what some of us think because we're a little messed up. We're a little weird. We got like this little streak of like, not only am I running into the flame and running into the problem, I'm taking people out when I do it. I am going in, I'm going fast, I'm going hard. And some of you are just like those linebackers. And you're going to go in with a leg drop after you've already taken care of business just to show them who's boss. But a lot of us, actually most of us, feel like we just got blitzed last week. And that the hits just keep on coming. And man, people are dropping. People are doing the leg drops. Like it's just, it just keeps on hitting. Anybody feel that way? Like the blitz just keeps happening. It's like there's nothing letting up. Anybody at all? Nobody in the whole room. It's a, me and Michael. Thank you, brother. Oh, okay. We got more. Okay. Some of us feel like the blitz. Good. The rest of us are linebackers. <laughs> Some of us experience the blitz, a blitz, and you're being tracked down by a ruthless linebacker. And in the moment of the blitz, a lot of us aren't like Rambo. We'd rather be running for our lives, doing whatever we can to not have to deal with what's right in front of us. Because life is hard and we get blitzed and we're going to have enemies coming after us. We're going to have moments where we feel overwhelmed. But when it comes to being a church of Jesus, I want to encourage us to lean into the moments rather than to shrink away from them. We're going to be a church, and we're going to be people that when blitzes happen or when attacks happen, we're not going to shrink away from it and pretend that they're not real. In the very first week of this series, I asked a question. I said, what is Albemarle known for? And one saint of God quickly yelled out an answer, drugs. It's true. You know what? We're going to be a church that doesn't shrink away from the addicts in our community. We're going to be a church that doesn't shrink away 
and just give thoughts and prayers to a mom who just lost her son to an OD. We're going to stand with her. We're going to cry with her because that mom's in this church. We're going to be a church of people who is brave and we run into the fire with people, not out of some sense that we are messiahs, because only Jesus can save. If any of us thinks that we are messiahs, we're really bad at it. I'm the pastor, but I I can't save your soul. I can only point you to Jesus. I'm the pastor. I can't change your financial situation, but I can be with you and I can pray with you and I can listen to you. And we can work on we can work on things. I'm your pastor. I can't raise the dead unless some crazy Holy Spirit power does something through me that has never happened in my life. I'm not saying it's not going to happen because it's happened to others. But we're going to be a church that stands with each other. The first ingredient of bravery, we find this in Scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You have to decide and to trust to live in the gift that God has given you. 2 Timothy 1, 7, Paul says this. Read it out loud with me. For God has not given us a spirit of and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God hasn't given us a spirit of what? And what? Fear and timidity. Fear and timidity. Timidity literally means this. It literally means the one who runs. The one who runs away. So if Rambo and me are walking into First Blood Part 2, he is going in I am running away because I'm going to be timid in Rambo First Blood Part 2. It's the one who gets so overwhelmed that this person chooses to run away rather than to lean in and use their gift or use what God has given to them. The word timidity is used in different ways in Scripture. It's also used as one who has been overwhelmed by fear. Can you think back to a time in your life where not you but somebody that you knew was overwhelmed with fear, paralyzed, crushed, couldn't move forward. It's the one who is overwhelmed with fear. And and in a listing towards the end of the Bible, it's, it's actually translated as a coward, one who breaks the heart of God. That's what timidity is called. And when the Bible, when the Bible is talking about timidity and like this, I don't want to identify with the person who breaks God's heart. So when the blitz comes, I want there to be something in me that, that looks at it head on and has the bravery to walk into it rather than runs away. And Paul knew this when he said these words to Timothy. If you don't mind putting that verse back up just one more time. Paul knew this when he was saying these words to Timothy. He knew that Timothy was going to have a blitz come his way. He knew that Timothy was going to need something in him that would keep him going the race. Paul knew that in Timothy's church and in his life, he would be blitzed by people. They would come after him to seek his death. So Paul knew when he wrote this that Timothy needed something. Something more than than what he just had inside of him. See, Timothy grew up raised by his grandmother and and another... He grew up being raised by these women in his family. You can see it in 2 Timothy 
earlier in the chapter, Paul says, I remember Eunice. I remember these women who, who grew up. Like, Timothy didn't really come up with a father figure. Paul became his father figure. And when you're, when you're looking at the life of Timothy, when you're looking at what Paul said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Paul must have seen something in Timothy that he needed to call out, hey, God didn't give you that. And there's a good chance that in our lives, there's something that God sees in you. And there's this pastor that's looking at you right now saying, hey, God didn't give you that. God didn't give you that spirit of fear and timidity. That comes out in a lot of different ways. It can come out as anger. It can come out as rage. It can come out as just outright being paralyzed. Like back in college, we joked around about the people who procrastinated all the time. And then in my 20s and 30s, we joked around about the people who procrastinated in the workplace all the time. And do you know procrastination is often a sign of fear? We're putting off something. I want to stand here and encourage you. God didn't give you that. Here's what God gave you, according to Paul. He gave you a spirit of power. And not just a power like the NFL blitz guys who just keep dropping elbows and leg drops. Not a sense of power for you to be arrogant with it and to just, you know, showboat it around. He gave you a sense of power to run into, to, to lean into the things that are coming your way. For our church to lean into the parts in our community where people just kind of shake their head and, and wring their heads. It goes, oh, they're all going to hell in a handbasket. We're not going to be a church of hand wringers. We're going to be a church of prayer and of power. We're also going to be a church of love. Love is going to keep us from being linebackers. And we're going to be a church of self-discipline. Another translation says a sound mind. It's actually best translated from the original language as something about discipline. Those, those of you gym rats in the house, you know all about this. Getting up and going and doing the thing that you want that, that you feel like you have, like, like being, like getting up no matter what. That self-discipline thing. And so when it comes to bravery, you have to define, you have to look at how God has gifted you and how that's going to play out in your everyday life. You have to know your gifts, but you also have to know how to use these gifts and to put them into play. Because that's what bravery is all about. So how are you going to work with these gifts what kind of power and explosive pushing us forward kind of things are you going to have now let's talk about these words power love self-discipline when it comes to power what in your life do you see God doing that has some kind of explosive power like when you think of power what do you think of well if you just you know go to just basic power you think of explosions and some of you are like yeah my life's exploding right now just completely you know, you don't, you don't understand. Now, I'm not talking about the blitz so much as I am talking about the power that God puts in us. Sure, explosion. You know what else has power? I learned this. I learned this when my daughter was like two weeks old. Babies that don't sleep have power. Have so much power. Babies that, that, that won't sleep. Kept, will keep you awake for a long time. 
And then toddlers have power, especially when they learn their first word. It's not usually daddy or mommy, it's usually no. They have power. Because you're not dealing with a rational person. If you really want to question whether original sin exists or not, look at the toddlers. You can quote me on that. Go look at the nursery. Don't be weird. Don't go, don't go like creeping in there. But look at the kids in the nursery. Somebody's going to get bit. That's original sin. Bunch of little hellions back there. We got them in the church because we're going to get them saved by the blood of Jesus. But the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead, resurrection power, that's what Paul is talking about that you have in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been baptized in his spirit, you've got his spirit, spiritual gifts, spiritual fruit, all these stuff we've been talking about. We can get a bit timid with this power, but I want you to know that this type of power is God living inside of you. And many of us know that God is powerful, but we don't really believe that that same power lives within us. Many of us believe that God can do anything, but we don't believe that he actually does anything through us. And in the face of the enemy, in the face of the blitz, you don't need to run because you are filled with God's power. In the face of the blitz, you have the power within you to be brave because it's God in you. It's not you. It's him in you. God didn't just give you a spirit of power so that you could lord it over people or so that you could be a linebacker with it or WWE or whatever works, you know, with the metaphor here no god gave you this power to do something with it he gave you this power to to look at things head on and to lean into them paul knew when he said to, to timothy that god's given you power he knew that timothy would face things so those of you that have been facing things and you've been getting up after the blitz and you've been getting up and you've been getting up and you've been getting up and you've been standing and you've been standing and you've been standing that just might be god's power within you because after a couple different times of just getting back up and getting back up and getting back, I mean, come on, who wants to throw in the towel? It's like, really? Really? God didn't give you this power just so you could just keep standing back up and take it like Rocky Balboa, you know, who could take a punch. Back to the 80s movies, that's, that's all I got. He gave you power. What was the next thing Paul said? That God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power. What was the next thing? Love. Love keeps us from being linebackers. God's given you a spirit of love. It's one thing to, to be brave like Rambo and go out into the field of battle and to just spray carnage everywhere. Because you can leave all of that on the field of battle. It's another thing when the field of battle is your home. Nobody wants carnage in their home. The bleeding, the dying, the hurting, the screaming, the screaming, the screaming, the screaming. This love, this thing that God has given us, it isn't just for the battlefield. It isn't just like, like, like to keep us from spraying carnage. It's to remind us that God hasn't just called us to run into a battle he's called us to be a little bit of a hopeless romantic like there's hope in our lives it's not just carnage it's not just running into stuff and 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 spraying our 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 our, our power everywhere at a high rate of speed 
Love is the primary characteristic of God. There's nothing stronger than his love. See, so, so I've heard a lot of times that preachers preach one of two things. They either preach uh, grace too much or truth too much. They preach anybody can be saved and, and God loves everybody. And they preach that so much that there's no focus on, like, sin. And so we need to also preach sin and how, you know, when, you, when, when God gives you his grace, you stop sinning and all this stuff. And, and there's this big argument that has gone on for thousands of years about how preachers should preach and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and the preachers also get accused of, like, of being too hard on people and then not being hard enough on sin. And, and I looked at this Jesus and I looked to, to what he does. And I see him kneeling with the woman who was called in sin, sitting with the people who were disenfranchised, eating dinner with the sinners, eating, getting a reputation. I see him doing all of those things and I see him being called soft on sin. I also see Jesus dying on a cross. And there's nothing soft on sin about dying on a cross. Love has the capacity to hold both of those things at the same time. The love for the people and the bravery to stand up to sin or to be nailed to a crossbeam. That's what love is. It's not, it's not choosing grace over truth. It's saying, hey, it holds both of these things together. Love is the primary characteristic of God. And too many times we allow fear or indifference or hate or anger to come in and block our capacity to love. Love means that we are advancing the right way. Not just a powerful blitzkrieg kind of way, but the right way. Not in a self-serving kind of way. Uh, one of my favorite books is is Strength to Love by Dr. King. And if you've not read it, highly recommend it. But there's, there's this one passage I want to read. Because I think what he does in this particular paragraph is I think he gives us a picture in our modern day world of how to hold both of those things. Listen to what he says. My friends, oh, and if you don't know who Dr. King is, Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Google him. Okay. That got more laughs than one of my dad jokes. All right. Here's what he says. My friends, we have followed the so-called practical way for too long a time now, and it has led inexorably to deeper confusion and chaos. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities that surrendered to hatred and violence. For the salvation of our nation and the salvation of mankind, we must follow another way. This doesn't mean that we abandon our righteous efforts. With every ounce of our energy, we must continue to rid the nation of the incubus of segregation. But we shall not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. While abhorring segregation, we shall love the segregationist. This is the only way to create the beloved community. You, you can interchange segregation with other things. He originally said it about segregation. He was originally writing in a time where Jim Crow laws were, were just happening everywhere. 
But you could easily switch the words out for the people that you're most afraid of or hate or the people that you get angry the most at. We shall not, in the process, relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. To our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. Who says that? You know what I hear in the world that I walk around? If you come at me, I'm coming at you harder. You bring a knife, I'm bringing a gun. That's what I hear. You come with all of your strength, I'm coming with that squared cubed to the fourth power. You come at me with something, like there's, there's a bravery on the verge of arrogance that I hear in our world. And most of it just comes through thumbs on a screen. It's not happening in real life. But our screens are real life. Our screens and the things that we say is showing the condition of our hearts. Here's what he says next. We shall, and he is talking about people who are turning full-blown fire hoses on groups of people and wrecking them. Here's what he's saying. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail and we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we will still love you. He is not speaking figuratively here. This is not a metaphor. People died. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. If, if that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ played out in the modern era, I don't know what is. We will take your hate, we will, ta we will take whatever you have to throw us, and we will still love you nonetheless. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and then finally, of self-discipline. Now this one doesn't seem as sexy as power and love. Like, self-discipline is like, uh, I don't know, Really? It's like getting a toothbrush in your stocking at Christmas, you know? And if you give your kids a toothbrush in their stocking at Christmas, give them Reese's or something else. Don't do that anymore. That's terrible. Horrible, horrible parenting. No, 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 no. Be, being level-headed just doesn't seem as sexy as power or even love. And here's why. We often allow our emotions to take over, like the quarterback running from his, for his life and making dumb plays when the blitz comes. But self-discipline does this. It recognizes who you are in the blitz. Here's what, here, here's what is shown. When the blitz comes at your life, you're being revealed for who you are. When you are squeezed, what comes out? And self-discipline is this thing. God gave you 
a spirit of self-discipline. It says, embrace who you are, who God made you to be. And when the blitz comes, trust that God has given you enough for right now. We often try to make ourselves into another version when the blitz comes. When stuff comes our way, we often, like, put on a mask or a filter when everything's going wrong. Because nobody wants to read the social media post of how everything's going wrong. We only want to see the smiling faces. We only want to hear the answer fine when we see someone in public and ask, how you doing? We, we don't do well with the authentic us sometimes. But bravery doesn't wear a mask. There are some of you here today, and you are hurting so much, but you just won't let anybody in. And did you know in, J, in the book of James, it, it actually says that the perp, one of the purposes of the church of Jesus is to heal each other. How can I be healed in the church of Jesus if I just build walls around me, if I never let you in. Man, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. Because, man, I've been hurt by people. I bet you have too. And I'm really sick of the cliches like, well, you've got to put your heart out there one more time, one more time, one more time. Let me tell you something. I need something in my life that is stronger than me putting my heart out there one more time. Because my, my heart and who I am is pretty vulnerable and weak. Because what I want to do is I want to build myself up in strength and in power to show how much I don't need anybody else. But what that does to me is that it chips away at my heart and it eats me alive. No, there is healing in the church of Jesus. There's healing when I'm my authentic self. And being brave doesn't mean that I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. Bravery is stepping more fully into who God made me to be. And that doesn't mean that God made me to be a weak, vulnerable, pithy, timid, fearful person. No, no, no. God did not give me a spirit of fear and timidity. He gave me a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And when we, when we look at these gifts and we decide, you know what? I'm going, to de- I'm going to be defined by what God has given me. I'm going to be driven by the power of God. I'm not going to shrink back when stuff comes my way. I'm going to be driven by the love of God. I'm not going to withhold love from people. I'm not going to shrink back and not love people who are not like me or even people who attack me. I'm going to be a person of self-discipline. In a world of quick answers and instant downloads, I'm going to lean into the things that are more lasting. How do we stick to this power, love, self-discipline? In a world that everything just happens so rapid fire, it's through the slowing down of relationships. And we will never be the church we were created or intended to be until every person in our church realizes and employs these words of Paul. We will never step into the future and the, and the vision that God's put on our hearts to be a church that reaches people who are at their wit's end. And shows them Jesus. We can't do that if we're shrinking back, if we're withholding love, if we're so caught up with ourselves and how we look that we're never authentic and honest. I don't know where you are today, but I think there's some of you who are struggling to believe that God gave you power. 
I don't know who you are, but I believe that there's some of you who there's just this anxiety. You're overwhelmed and you're timid and you just don't know whether you can trust that God has actually gifted you with these things. I want to remind you. I want to remind you of the love of Jesus. Some of you are being blitzed all the time and I want to remind you that God gave you a spirit of self-discipline. Stay planted and stay put. Trust that God is working in you. I want to end with a story, and, and our worship team is going to come back. We know that Paul, well, if you study church history, you'll find out that Paul dies in Rome, the guy who wrote our verse for today. He, he dies in Rome. He had his head chopped off. He gave these words to Timothy. He lived these words out himself. He was brave. He went to the end. But many, many of us haven't really heard the story of Timothy. See, Timothy probably watched Paul die. He probably saw the trial. As a young preacher, the, the, the scholars and the archaeologists, they believe that Timothy was most likely in Rome and saw Paul die. Later in his life, Timothy was this pastor of a church in Ephesus. And there were these groups of people, interest groups, minority groups, if you will. And the emperor of Rome treated them very, very fondly. Isn't it just like people in power to find their groups of people and just kind of like give them anything they want? Well, the emperor at this time, name was Nerva, great name if you've got a new pet, Nerva. I'll go back to dad jokes if y'all don't start laughing. I'm serious. The emperor at the time, Nerva, he treated all of these minority groups with, with a lot of favoritism. And there was this one event in particular that happened every year at Ephesus. And this one minority group just was, was catered to by the emperor. Have you ever seen that movie? What, what was the name of that movie? Where uh, it was like 24 hours or 12 hours and nothing is off limits. Is it called The Purge? It's kind of like The Purge. See, what happened at this event, instead of the purge, it was called the catagogia. And the meaning of that word catagogia, it means bring it down. It, bring it down. And at this event, the catagogia, these people would put on masks so that you didn't know who they were. And they would beat the men in town with clubs because it was fun. And they would sexually assault women all over Ephesus. Kind of like an ancient version of the purge. They would worship pagan gods by having public orgies in the town center. But they would wear masks and, I mean, people kind of knew. It kind of sounds like another secret society that just did different things, but they still wore masks. You didn't know what, who they were. An 80-year-old Timothy at this time walks out into the city center. Now, I want, you to, I want you to picture this. Like, this, this catagogia experience is going on. This is not Timothy walking out to protest something that might happen or something that people are believing or thinking. It is literally happening. It's more like a riot than it is a protest. It's happening. An 80-year-old Timothy goes out and begins proclaiming and preaching during the catagogia about this better way. 
and he begs them to stop. And these masked men, they take out the clubs and they beat him and they stone him to his death in the middle of the center of the city. He's murdered in the streets, in the city where he is a pastor and that he has loved. He goes out not being timid, but by boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And I imagine Timothy losing consciousness and entering into heaven and seeing Paul for the first time. Decades later from when he received God hasn't given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. I imagine Paul seeing Timothy and like running to him and him, him going, you did it. You did it. You kept a white hot passion for God and you, you went out with power. You did not shrink back from what culture was doing. You did not shrink back from the fear and the danger that was coming your way. You also did it with love. You didn't go out damning people. But by proclaiming Jesus, Christ crucified, Christ rose again, you went out with love, encourage him. You went out telling them of a better way. And man, did you have the discipline. It wasn't about you. It was never about you. You stayed so white hot with passion and you fought the good fight and you finished the race. You kept the faith. Come here, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me get you a crown. We got crowns here. And man, I want that. I want somebody to look at me at the end of all of this and say, you know what? Man, you weren't perfect, but you did it. You did not shrink back out of fear. You did not shrink back out of timidity. You stood up and you walked forward with the power of God inside of you. And you know what? You did it with love. You didn't go out like a linebacker hurting people. You took that power and you used it in the way of Christ. That's my prayer for you. That we would not be a church or a group of people that just go out with some quick sprints and we're done. Something for the highlight real footage. But we would finish the race. We would keep the faith. We would go to the end. That's my prayer for you. That you would be brave. I want to pray for you. Would you stand? In the name of Jesus, God's Son. I pray bravery over each of you. I pray the bravery of Jesus because you have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity. You were not created by this God to shrink back and to just be comfortable. You were not created by God to live in fear or in anxiety. You were not created by God to bear the image of a coward. But you were created by God with power. That blitz that you're under right now, he's giving you the power to stand up. He's giving you the power to walk forward. He's giving you the power. You're created with his love. Not only do you have this power, but you have this love of Jesus. 
not only are you going to stand up, you're going to do it in a way that, can, that, that, that brings the love of Jesus in this community and in this world and in your very lives. And you're going to do it with self-discipline. You're going to be who you were called to be. You're not going to be somebody else or, or another version of somebody. But you are going to walk in your gifts. You're going to walk with what God's given you. In the name of Jesus, I pray this blessing over you.